Welcome to Climate Watch, a podcast that delves deep into the pressing issue of climate change. I'm Wang Zihang. Previously, we discussed how the Belt and Road Initiative is stepping up efforts to seek green development and stimulate sustainability. Today, we're going to focus on Pakistan, a significant participant of the Belt and Road Initiative, and explore how the BRI is supporting Pakistan's quest for enhanced climate resilience. Pakistan is among the top 10 countries most susceptible to climate change. The climate crisis has spurred natural disasters such as droughts and floods, leading to huge economic setbacks and severe humanitarian crises. Through the Belt and Road Initiative, Pakistan's resilience against climate change is being strengthened. Hydroelectric power stations are increasing the country's clean energy capacity, while solar systems illuminate thousands of rural homes. For more on Pakistan's climate action under the Belgian Road Initiative, Gaojinya has spoken with Shakil Ahmed Ramay, Chief Executive Officer of the Asian Institute of Eco-Civilization Research and Development. We know that Pakistan is one of the countries that are most vulnerable to the impact of climate change. Could you provide an overview of the climate situation there? What are the challenges? How are they affecting the social and economic development of Pakistan? First of all, Pakistan is very high on a vulnerability index. If we look at the current year vulnerability index for the climate change, Pakistan stands at the number eight. That means Pakistan will fall in t- among the top ten. This is not the first time. It is happening for many years now. Pakistan always ranked among the top ten vulnerable countries to climate change, which is a really worrisome problem for Pakistan. Pakistan has a multiple problems related to climate change. Number one. The different type of the disaster. The disasters have made a habit to visit Pakistan every other year. If we look around from since late 1990s, Pakistan is victim of floods and droughts. From 1999 to 2003, Pakistan faced one of the worst droughts of its history. It killed millions of animals in different parts of the country and the many parts of the country the people they have to migrate especially in the Balochistan, in southern Punjab and interior Sindh. so the people had to migrate to survive the shock of the climate change due to, which was happening in the form of drought after that since 2010 if you onwards you look Pakistan every other year Pakistan faced a big flood in 2010 Pakistan faced a really big flood so that initial cost of that flood at that point was around about 10 billion US dollars so Pakistan has to last the 10 billion US dollar infrastructure. Then in 2010, 11, 12, 14, 18, now again in 2022, Pakistan faced one of the worst flood of its history. According to the estimate, Pakistan had to face a loss of around about 30 billion US dollar. If you look at the economy of Pakistan, so what would be the magnitude of this problem? We are economy of hardly more than a 400 billion. And then we have to face a shock of the 30 billion US dollar. And when you also look at that, what different types of the problem is Pakistan is facing already, like the financial crunch, debt crisis. So then on top of that, we have this flood of the 30 billion US dollar. That is economic cost. If you look at the social cost, people have people displaced. There were different types of disease. They have lost their economic opportunities. So multiple things. Then if you look around other things, Pakistan is also vulnerable to the sea intrusion. It is happening in Pakistan for many years in certain part of the Sindh, in the one of the district Badin. So there people have to migrate due to the sea intrusion. And there is a fear 
in the near future through some parts of you know, different districts of the Sindh, they can disappear due to the AC intrusion. So then on other dimension of climate change for Pakistan is glacier melting. You look at the Himalaya, what is happening? So the, suddenly there is a glacier melting has been stopped. In future, Pakistan can lose a big source of water. And Pakistan is already a water scarce country. Pakistan has less than 1,000 cubic meter availability of water on the, the person. So that is very low according to international standards. Again, it's a changing with the time because our population is increasing, but the availability of water is not increasing. On agriculture side, Pakistan is again vulnerable because when the water is vulnerable, that means your agriculture is vulnerable. One thing and second thing, from 80 to 85% cultivated land of Pakistan falls in the arid to the hyper-arid, semi-arid to the hyper-arid region. So that's been the other impacts of the climate change will be more on that. So if you look at around the whole situation, so Pakistan is facing the multiple problems due to climate change. Pakistan is vulnerable to climate change on different dimensions. Either you talk about agriculture, you talk about water, you talk about sea intrusion, you talk about the glacier melting, you talk about the people migration, you talk about the droughts. So any indicator you pick, you will find Pakistan is very vulnerable to climate change. But the important point to highlight is that the contribution of Pakistan to climate change is negligible. Even right now, right now, the nickel Pakistan's contribution is very negligible. But Pakistan is facing the worst impacts of the climate change. Yeah, definitely. You know, it sounds like a, quite a gloomy picture there and even devastating. And what actions have been taken so far to deal with climate change in Pakistan? Pakistan is very much committed to tackle the climate change. But unfortunately, we don't have much financial resources to tackle. If you look at our development status, every other year we have to face a shock. So how much you can make arrangements for those shocks? For example, last year we have the shock of 30 billion US dollars. Pakistan has developed different policies, like climate change policy way back in 2012. Then Pakistan started implementing. Pakistan came with the adaptation plan. Then the Pakistan also implementation framework. Pakistan is also Pakistan also developed the, our uh, national uh, determined contribution report. Pakistan also committed to bring down the use of fossil fuels. But the problem is Pakistan don't have the resources to implement all those actions. For example, in NDC of Pakistan, Pakistan committed to reduce the GHG emissions by 50% by reducing the use of the fossil fuels. But for that purpose, Pakistan need almost 100 billion US dollar to implement the plan. And Pakistan don't have the resources. Again, if you look at the climate via agriculture, 44% of our population is directly related to agriculture. Though our labor is directly related to agriculture. And agriculture is very highly vulnerable to climate change. We want to implement the climate smart agriculture um, programs and we want to implement the climate smart implementations, but we don't have the resources to do that. That's why Pakistan look towards the international community to cooperate with us. But unfortunately, at the global level, the things are not happening. Since um, COP15, when they committed, they will contribute 100 US billion dollars so annually. So still, there are no money. And what money is available, that is a, sometimes it's a very high interest rate high interest rate loans, not the aid, not the assistance. So that is not happening right now. Right now, Pakistan is doing something in the here and there. But Pakistan also getting the cooperation from China side in implementation few things. And Pakistan and China has also decided to work under CPAC to on a green development. And the green development does not mean only energy. 
It also means how to tackle the climate change issues related to the water sector, related to the agriculture sector. So we will have a, a more cooperation. But right now, Pakistan is facing a number of problems. The major problem is we don't have the financial resources to support our programs, policies, and implementation plans. Mm-hmm. Yes, like you alluded, China and Pakistan have been carrying out climate cooperation for a long time, and notably solar photovoltaic systems and LED lights made in China are now lighting up thousands of households in Pakistan. How do you evaluate such efforts? You know, in promoting the green development of Pakistan. I think this is a very small, very minor example. Pakistan and China are doing a lot in other fields also. Because LED is a very small portion of those cooperation. If you look around, so how Pakistan China is working for the green development and the clean energy under CPEC projects, Pakistan and China are building a number of、uh, solar energy stations and then the wind power energy stations and most importantly hydro power projects like the crude hydro power projects of 720 megawatt. They had been already completed. No Azad Patan. One more、uh, dam, or as you can say, hydropower projects also under construction. So one is about one thousand one hundred twenty megawatt, and the other one is the seven hundred and ten megawatt. So Pakistan and China are also working on the clean energy production, not only just the lead. That is a very small one. You can say the example. The big examples are from our energy sector, where the China has invested in solar, wind, and hydro. That is a real thing because when you can produce a Almost a three thousand megawatt from the hydro, and then with some more from、um, solar and the wind. That means you are taking care of a big proportion of our energy needs, and that energy is coming from the clean sources of energy. It will really help Pakistan to、uh, break the cycle of the fossil fuel. It is not only just to climate change; it will also help Pakistan to also lower our import bill, because when we look at the fossil fuels, what we use, the oil and other things. We have to import that. That is a big burden on our foreign exchange、uh, reserves. When we are building these、uh, hydropower, the solar, and the wind energy projects, that means it will also help us to lower our import bill. But the most importantly, it will help us to lower the GHG emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, and it will provide us the clean energy. And the construction of dam, not only under the CPEC, but also by joy between Pakistan and China bilateral cooperation, like Dhasu Bajra, it will also help Pakistan to store water. What is a very critical element for Pakistan in the context of the climate change? As I told you, but we don't have the many reserves to store the water. If we look around, around, but Pakistan have little bit more than the 10 mega mf storage capacity. That is very low as compared to Pakistan because it's only it can take cater the needs of one month. You can imagine one month. It's a very short period. So under that, Pakistan is also trying to increase the storage capacity in the water. So China-Pakistan cooperation it is not only limited to one sector for the clean development; it is you can limit it to so many other you can say the fields. Another example, best example is under CPEC agriculture cooperation section. So Pakistan and China has decided to create number of research institutions, and the climate change will be one of the key area where the those research institutions will be working and helping to find the solutions. So China-Pakistan cooperation is very broad. It is not only limited to the lead and one thing. 
Mm -hmm. Yes,、uh, Mr. Ramay, you've given us a lot of specific and vivid examples of how China and Pakistan have been cooperating to deal with climate change in terms of clean energy. You know, in terms of water sources, I think most of them are actually under the Belt and Road Initiative. So, how do the Belt and Road Initiative investments in Pakistan contribute to addressing the climate issues? Look, when I say about the clean energy for Kohla, Kohla hydropower project in Azad Kashmir, and then other Azad Patan, they both are under construction. Their roundabout will make the 1,900 megawatt. Then we have an other power project with the name of the Kurut hydropower project that was 720 megawatt. It airs to almost it becomes the 2,600 megawatt. Then we have Suki Kanari hydropower project. Of eight、uh, seventy megawatt, so it's more than the three thousand megawatt. That's what I'm saying. Under those projects, under the CPAC, which is the definitely flagship projects of the Belt and Road Initiative, so China and Pakistan are putting the、uh, cooperation in those areas which can really help. The different thing about China-Pakistan cooperation from the other countries that China-Pakistan are not putting resources on advocacy or the media briefings. They are putting resources for the hardcore interventions, and those interventions which can really help to counter the climate change, and help Pakistan to adapt to the climate change. For example, adaptation in agriculture sector, Pakistan and China they are working to bring the new varieties. They are working to introduce the new variety in Pakistan, which can help Pakistan to combat the climate change impacts. Like Pakistan, China are already working on different things like the rice production cooperation. Then now they are coming to the other varieties, other varieties of the crops in the say in the wheat and other things. But they are also working together for the livestock management. So number of things which are there are happening bit by bit. So I can divide this cooperation under BRI into sections. Number one, clean energy. So the source of the climate change. So Pakistan and China working together to control the source of the climate change. Although. Pakistan is not a big contributor. Pakistan contribution negligible, less than one percent, zero point one percent. On a, if you calculate the contribution of countries in the climate change, in the GHG emissions, but still Pakistan in collaboration with China under the BRI, we are working together on to reduce the GHG emissions, greenhouse gas emissions. So we are working on the source of the climate change, but simultaneously we are working. Together to adapt to the climate change impact because what has been happened cannot reverse. We have to survive with those things. So Pakistan-China cooperation is a, that's why I say it's a very comprehensive. It does not take, take only one、uh, box. It take almost all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what about、uh, reforestation? Some efforts are underway by the two countries to reforest the desert areas in Pakistan. Can you shed some light on this? Pakistan is、uh, working quite hard on reforestation.、Uh, like under、uh, that previous government, Pakistan has a one billion. Then Pakistan has a ten billion plantation plan, and that is happening. And then Pakistan has a very good program, the Clean and Green Pakistan. So we are the Pakistan is putting a lot of efforts to plant. And actually, Pakistan has put plantation to a drive. And Pakistan increased, I think,、uh, around two、uh, or three percent of area. Of forestation area in the last decade, so that is a good、uh, improvement in a certain part of the country. But it need to be、uh, enhanced in the coming years because our problems are multi,、uh, very big, and we have to increase the,、uh, you can say, the number of our plantation drives, and we have to put more 
resources and we have to put more energy to make it happen and right now it's a good pakistan realized but definitely they have to uh, scale up their efforts to plant more and they should go for the a comprehensive drives like we should look around i was just looking at the data from the china from 1976 onward so almost you have increased 12% of your land so under came the plantation that is a huge we have to learn from that how china did that i think that can be another good way, area of the cooperation between pakistan and china pakistan can learn from china how china brings so big land under the forestation because if we talk about the 12% of chinese uh, geographical area it would be more than the it, uh, almost twice of the area of pakistan because china is a big country so pakistan can learn from china there i think there should be some programs so where china can share its uh, experience with pakistan how pakistan go for a comprehensive drive for the plantation climate watch is cgtn radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change we have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue listen to climate watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home The China-Pakistan Economic Corridor is the flagship project of the Belt and Road Initiative. Within the framework, China and Pakistan have not only made tangible achievements in green development, but have also strengthened their cooperation in research and development, specifically in areas like clean energy and the ecological environment of the Himalayas. Gao Junya continues her discussion with Shakil Ahmed Ramay. Definitely, actions have been taken, and we've seen some tangible results.、Uh, what about research and development? Are there any joint research and development efforts between the two countries on renewable energy sources and technologies? I think right now more is、uh, going on between the government to government. So they are in the initial phases where they can work together. But if you look at the Sparco, so there's a Pakistan institution in work on. A, Uh, my paying and other things, so they have、uh, some uh, cooperation with China. That also have the cooperation. Then Pakistan, other universities, they have the cooperation. But maybe we have to launch a joint program there. So because the problem is so big, so their、uh, sporadic or the here and their efforts will not work. We have to bring the research and development in one umbrella where we can create a good uh, center to a、uh, joint center. And that is a、uh, good to note that under the agriculture cooperation, when we talk about the nine centers which will be established. So they will also be focusing on the climate change, but we can also create one dedicated center for the climate change and a joint center for the climate change. Energy is the one sector. We also have to take care of water. We also take care of agriculture because more than energy, Pakistan need help in the adaptation to climate change because we are vulnerable. Our agriculture is very vulnerable, and they have put our food security at the stake. When there is no food security, you can imagine what can be happen. So the adaptation should lead the cooperation, because Pakistan need really resources and the help and the such collaboration in the field of the adaptation. Energy is the one sector we are already doing a lot. There are mentioned so many programs Pakistan and China they are jointly implementing the bringing energy there. But where we need the help at this point of time is to adapt to the climate change. When your agriculture is vulnerable, when your livestock is vulnerable, when the sea is intruding your to the land to the city. Then you need investment for the adaptation. That is our first priority. And finally, in that area, Pakistan need more cooperation from China. 
Yes,、um, you also mentioned that in terms of the impact of climate change to Pakistan, glaciers are disappearing. What do you think that China and Pakistan can further their collaboration, especially in climate change research within the Himalayas? Pakistan has a very limited experience to do the to establish the stations and the monitoring centers. Already, Pakistan was doing some with the cooperation of World Meteorological Organization and some European institutions. But there was also there is more need because some of our glaciers they are the sick, sick glaciers mean they are hollow inside. But from the outside it seems like that, so they are growing. So that give the false data. So that's why we need more research there and more manpower and experience that we can bring together, bring from the China because that is also very important because in the coming days there will be a lot of propaganda against the CPAC on the basis of this Himalaya region. Why? Because when this is a CPAC route connected to the Xinjiang through the northern area of Pakistan, there are Himalayan lines. So their propaganda already has been started. So that it will destroy the glaciers and there will be some problems. A number of things are happening. So to counter also those propaganda, Pakistan and China should be very proactive to establish those centers. So nobody can manipulate any data or give the wrong data or the false data for the propaganda. So Pakistan have to build also there, not only just to take care of the existing glaciers, but also to counter the future propaganda. Mr. Ramey,、uh, you are engaged in the area of eco civilization, and personally, you've been visiting China on numerous occasions and witnessed firsthand China's strides in ecological development. What new achievements do you think China has made in ecological and environmental protection in recent years? And what best practice do you think China can share with other countries, notably Pakistan? I think China have did uh, uh, many things. They have done wonderful things, number things like look how they protect their、um, species, disappearing species. If you look at the panda, how they are taking care of the panda, and how they are taking care of other species. And then the President Xi Jinping has also launched nine、um, national parks to preserve the environment and ecology. Then the role of institution has been increased in the during last few years, and with this question, look. So, if any factory, any business, or any person who is not taking care of environment or violating the environment rule, the system has become very strong now. So the the institution, environmental institution, they have had the power to just not only just tell the people, but to make the arrangements and find the people and punish the people. So that is really making a difference. Number two is the use of technology. Use of technology is really helping China to、uh, protect the environment.、Uh, there are a number of initiatives. For example, one initiative in、um, China was in a big city was just to you can monitor on your own computer or on a on mobile. So you can use the data to collect the information about the water management. If there is any problem, you can contact the regulators and they come and they will fix the problem. Then there is also use of、um, technology in other fields in the big at the larger scale. So plantation is a big thing, I think, which China has did in the last few years. So China has increased almost 12 to 13 percent of its plantation area, the forest area. That is a big, big achievements that Pakistan also learned from China. How Pakistan can also go for the forestation. But the most important is commitment from the top leadership. Commitment. How much your leadership is committed to make the change possible. Commitment. Not only just by the statements or the policy, but implementation, diverting the resources. Like last few years, we are seeing so China is converting from the traditional economy to a circular economy. So China is following the, this、um, goal of green development, green growth, and number of things China is doing that. 
but fundamental thing which china pakistan have can learn or other developing country learn from china is that your ambitions to tackle the climate change should not be at the cost of the human needs because if you are doing some actions by undermining the human needs or you are taking away their livelihood opportunities those actions will not succeed because if the people are not with you you cannot succeed so that's where i have to learn how china made it happen they not only taking the actions they are not doing so wonders but how beautifully they taking care of needs of the people and the getting the uh, support from the people that is a fundamental thing which we need to learn from china Mm-hmm. Yes, um, like you said, actually, China is not only seeking green development of itself; it is also, you know, working to green the Belt and Road Initiative. And we know, like, including Pakistan, a lot of the countries along the Belt and Road Initiative actually they're still developing countries, and there is definitely this dire need to seek green development. How do you evaluate the green development of Belt and Road Initiative? If we analyze the、uh, BRI from two thousand thirteen fourteen onwards till today, we will see a clear shift in the spending on the clean energy. If you look around, so what was the share of the clean energy on a、um, clean energy in twenty、um, fourteen? That was almost less than twenty percent, but no, it's not touching the fifty percent. So China is clearly shifting towards the clean energy, and also China has committed that. In the recent past, they will not make any arrangements for the coal in the future. And where they can, is possible, they are taking out the coal investment from other countries. China is not only supporting with their with their experience. China is also supporting to the investment. That is again that is a key point. Not only the BRI, but also Global Development Initiative. China has made the climate change one of the key area. And if we look at the South South Cooperation, the why. Six one hundred development program again. China is making a climate and environment protection one of the key area. So China is not only advocating. Maybe China is putting less focus on the TV channels and less focus on the news conference or advocacy campaigns. But China is putting a lot of investment on actual programs. I think that is helping many countries to take care of the climate change issues in their respective countries. And especially when they are talking about to take the action on the side of source of climate change, that is energy. So their investment is bringing so many positives for the not only for the China but also for the other countries. Yes, a lot of countries in the international society they are working, trying their best to combat climate change. Actually, on the other side, a number of developed countries have been seen. Reneging on their commitments to tackle climate change, the promise in 2009 to mobilize 100 billion U.S. dollars per year by 2020 for climate action in developing countries, but they failed to make it. How do you perceive the role of developed countries in the climate crisis, and what message would you convey to them to bolster their climate action? I think they have to look at the Western countries. They never fulfill their commitments or the promises. What they are doing, actually, they are doing a very smart way, trying to shift the burden from themselves to the developing country and the poor countries. They are not interested in giving the assistance or taking care of their historical responsibility, but they are more interested to shift the burden to the developing countries. Look what happened at the Glasgow. They came up with the new idea to create a group of the investors. 
of the financial investors, uh, big companies. They said, oh, they will take care of net zero of these things. But in actual practice, they are trying to create more economic opportunity for their, for their business groups. They are not interested on the actions. They are not interested to take care of needs of the countries, but they are more interested how they can use this situation to create more business for their own companies. And they want to shift the burden towards the developing countries. And that is also Oxfam report in the 2020 and 21. Though they clearly show that so climate change commitment of 100 billion, it is not fulfilling. Number one, number two, whatever they have been provided to the this fund, so they those by what they are getting the developing countries, they are a very expensive loans. Majority of those assistance come in the way in the form of the expensive loans. That is creating a debt problem for those countries. And one side and the other side, it is also undermining their ability to take care of their people. So in the form of what they promised to give assistance, they are trying to make a business there. So and by business, if any country is not agreed to their business, they will not provide you the funding. And if you compare it with the Chinese side, when the, what China is doing, as I mentioned, in 2014, so when China was started this BRI, the total renewable investment was 19.60%. But in 2020, the total investment for the renewable was 58.12%. That is, says, tell the whole story. How China moved from here to there. So their investment is increasing. And especially in 2020, if we look at that, so who was the biggest, you can say, received, Pakistan received the biggest investment from the BRI around about 2 billion, around about, for the hydropower projects, for clean energy. Same as go to Indonesia, they almost received the one, almost 1 billion. So if you look at the commitment of the West, they are not fulfilling. They are talking much. They are trying to shift the burden to the developing country. They are not respecting the historical responsibility principle, equity is responsible. But on the other side, if you look at China, they are talking less, they are taking more actions as they presented data to you. So that is a fundamental difference. And I think in the future, as they are facing their own problems, the Western economies are on the downfall, they are facing the problems. Maybe they will not be able to fulfill their commitments. So that's why I always advise the developing country to look towards your own self and try to come up with your own plans. And when you have a friend like China under the BRI who is putting so much resources for the green development. This is Shaquille Ahmed Ramey, Chief Executive Officer of the Asian Institute of Eco-Civilization Research and Development, speaking with Gao Junya. Now let's follow Liu Jiaheng for headlines on climate this week. At the Climate Ambition Summit held during the high-level week of the General Assembly, UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres warned that humanity has opened the gates of hell on climate. He said climate action is dwarfed by the scale of the challenge. If nothing changes, the world is heading toward a 2.8-degree temperature rise, toward a dangerous and unstable world. Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva says that his country will return to his climate ambition under the Paris Agreement. The Tanzanian government is taking steps aimed at reducing dependence on hydropower generation. It's pointed out that power generation using hydropower dams is declining because water in the reservoirs has dropped due to prolonged dry spells caused by climate change. A report warns that Australia is heading towards climate catastrophe if the country does not pursue more ambitious emissions reduction targets. 
The report says on the current trajectory of global warming, by the year 2100, Australia is facing a large-scale collapse of marine ecosystems, more frequent and severe heat waves, and irreversible shifts in rainfall patterns. Chinese researchers reveal that climate change is driving the world's tree lines up to higher altitudes. Experts point out, although the upward movement of tree lines means more trees can absorb more carbon from the atmosphere and expand the habitat of some forest species, it also poses challenges for fragile ecosystems at high altitude. That's all we have for this edition of Climate Watch. To listen to this episode again and to catch up on previous episodes, you can search Climate Watch on major podcast platforms. You can also contact us via audio newsroom at cgtn.com. All your comments and advice are valued. Climate Watch is produced by CGTN Radio. Our producer is Gao Junya. Our executive producer is Holy May. I'm Wang Zihang. Thank you for listening.